So hey there, guys. Welcome back to Accelerated Investor. Hey, it's Josh. And I'm your host, as always. Thank you so much for being here. Listen, in light of this looming recession, in light of everything that's going on with China and the dollar and inflation, I thought we should specifically talk today about ways to de-risk your business, ways to de-risk your investments, and ways to de-risk your deals. So today, I'm going to talk to you specifically about nine ways to de-risk your investments. Here we go. Okay, so let's talk about it. Nine ways to de-risk your business. You know, I've been thinking a lot about some of the different ads and some of the different articles and some of the different conversations that we're having, investors and operators that we're talking to, some of the webcasts that I've seen. I'm just digesting all of that. And I've just been thinking about some of the different articles. Like, for example... CoStar just came out with an article this morning that said that multifamily investment prices are down 7% since a year ago. Okay, so that's pretty significant. I mean, if you bought a $30 million property, then you haven't done much to it. You haven't done much CapEx or haven't raised the rents. And you just were in a market where there's a significant amount of decrease and let's say it's 7%, that's $2.1 million that you just lost. If you're in a certain market where there was expected growth and rent growth and upside growth, but all of a sudden these interest rates have hit, and now you're like, wow, like I have a bridge loan or some sort of uh, floating rate debt with an interest rate cap, and not only do I have to recapitalize the deal and refinance it or sell it, but the value is now down 7%. That's a problem. Okay. That's a problem. And so I started thinking about, well, what are different things that we've done? How have we de-risked the business? What would I do differently? Or what have we done right in order to de-risk the business? And really came up with nine, nine different things that I think we've done right. Nine different things that I think everybody should do in order to de-risk their business. So here we go. Number one, first of all, always invest for the long term and always get long term fixed rate cash flowing financing. Always. Even when everybody else is getting bridged at, even when else is everybody else is getting SOFR loans, just like everybody else did in the last one to five years, and they're overpaying for properties. Guess what? Here comes the piper. And we got to pay the piper, right? So the piper's coming. Some guys are going to get caught. They're going to need to sell because their debt's going to balloon out. And then what? Oh, wow. And then my real estate is actually down 7%. And I can't sell. And I can't refinance. And I can't return my investors' equity. Why? Because they didn't invest for the long-term. And they didn't get long-term fixed-rate cash-flowing financing. So how do you do that? Like what kind of financing is considered long-term or at least mid-range to long-term? Number one would be seller financing. Seller financing, that's five to 15 years that you can negotiate with the seller and that you could lock in for the long-term. Number two, you could get a bank loan. Maybe that might require some personal guarantee, but I'd rather have a personal guarantee with five to seven to nine-year financing, that mid to long-term financing then you know three year money with a non personal guarantee 
That's just me. That's just what I would rather do because I know if I invest for the long haul, my values are going to go up over time. They might not go up in the short term. They may actually even go down in the short term. But over the long haul, it's always going to go up, okay? And then number three, which would be Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, the agencies. Agency financing is always long-term, right? It doesn't have a seven-year or a 10-year or a 12-year balloon. It's truly long-term. And the way they lock it in is with a short-term prepayment penalty. And so there's really three different types of long-term fixed-rate financing. Seller financing, bank financing, and then agency, which includes Fannie, Freddie, and HUD. When we buy properties, we always get long-term fixed-rate financing. That is a rule. We will not do any deal unless that we can get long-term fixed-rate financing. Number two, right? We, although we get long-term financing, another way to de-risk the business is that we actually force the appreciation by forcing the capital improvements. Okay. So let me explain. A lot of operators and investors will have a five to seven year plan and they'll say, Hey, you know, over the next five to seven years, the rents are going to go up 4%, 5% per year. And we're going to do the capital improvements out of the cash flow, or we're going to do the capital improvements over the next five to seven years. Right. Well, you're not really forcing any appreciation if you're allowing your CapEx to take four to seven years. And so what I believe and what my firm does and what we focus on and what I believe that you should focus on is jamming all of your capital improvements into the first 12 to 18 months. Right. So if you're planning on turning units, we force vacancy, we force people out, we quickly turn the unit. And then we release it within no more than 60 days. So it might be vacant for 60 days, but we take a unit that maybe was previously renting for $800 and now it's renting out for $1,100 or $1,200. And we've forced true appreciation in the property versus organically kind of doing it out of cash flow or organically doing it slowly. Okay. By doing it that way, you're not really pushing the income. So if you bought a building today and you bought it for 15 million and it's got a certain amount of cash flow, maybe it's got $1.5 million of cash flow. Well, a year or two from now, if you're just kind of slowly doing it, you bought it for 15 million and maybe you've raised the income by 50 bucks per unit. Big freaking deal. Maybe you've raised the rent, the value then from 1.15 million to 16 million. Big deal. Who cares? Right versus what we've done, like at our Stewart House Apartments or Brookside Oval, Brookside Way, Shady Cove, all these different properties, we jam the capital improvements in the first 12 to 18 months. We force the income to go up through aggressive renewals, which sometimes creates vacancy, which is fine. I would rather have that vacancy in the short term and, and underwrite for that vacancy and have a cash bleed so that within two to three years, I'm done. And the value has gone from 15 million to 22 million. So the way you de-risk the business is by knocking out the capex very, very quickly and forcing the value to go up fast. That way, if there's a downturn, there's a recession, you've already forced the value up. It's worth a lot more. If you need to sell, you make a profit. If you need to refi, there's room. Number three, 
The third way to de-risk your business is to always have an experienced boots on the ground operator that is a partner in the deal. And that partner secret shops the deal at least a couple times a month, shows up unannounced, walks around, secret shops the property manager, right? That boots on the ground secret shopping, that is asset management. And a lot of guys don't do it. So you one way to de-risk the business is to show up unannounced, is to show up at your property manager unannounced, walk units unannounced, walk the commons unannounced, walk the grounds unannounced, call the phone number, visit the website unannounced and see what the experience is for those residents. Asset managing is critical. Number four, review the financials every month without exception. We will look at our financials every month, the P&L balance sheet every month without exception. We make sure everything ticks and ties out. We review it versus last month's and the month before, review it against their P&L, against that balance sheet to make sure there's not mistakes. Look, accountants are human. They make mistakes. Well, if they make a mistake a year ago and you wait and wait and wait till the end of the year to review your financials and then finally you review the financials and finally you find a mistake, it becomes much harder to go backwards and to fix that problem. Okay? So when we review our financials, we have a set of key performance indicators, KPIs. And when we review the financials, the first thing that we look at is our cash position this month versus last month. The next thing that we look at is our capital improvement position. How much CapEx have we done this month versus last month? We also look at how much money does the bank owe us in a draw if we're doing CapEx, if it's a bank loan and there's construction dollars in the loan. How much CapEx have we spent? When was the last time we got a draw? How much does the bank owe us? Okay. We have in our business what we call a draw ceiling. And so every time we hit that ceiling, we apply for a draw reimbursement. Some properties it's $450,000, some it's $250,000, some it's $150,000, depends on the size of the deal. But when we hit a certain number, then we know, hey, time to go apply for another draw from the lender to get reimbursed. So we have the capital that we can cycle the capital back again. Okay. Obviously, we're also comparing the rent roll. How much rent do we have on the rent roll this month versus last month versus the month before? Where's our total income this month versus last month? What are our collections this month versus last month? What are our expenses this month versus last month? What are the expenses, especially the the variable expenses, right? There's some expenses that are non-controllable. You cannot control the property tax. You really cannot control the cost of insurance. You really cannot control the cost of your utilities. Obviously, we can negotiate the utilities in certain circumstances, but once you negotiate them, then they're pretty much fixed, okay? But what about the controllable expenses, the repairs, the maintenance, okay, the maintenance tax, things like that, okay, the marketing, leasing, right, the general administrative expenses. We've got to review those every month without exception to make sure nothing gets out of whack because, guys, once the money is spent, it's gone. You can't go, you know, just operate better the next month and make that money up. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. 
We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Number five, the fifth way to de-risk your business is then to take number four, which is to review the financials every month without exception, and then go to number five, which is commit to sharing everything with your limited partners. If you want to be a good operator, you want to de-risk your business, commit to sharing everything with your limited partners, good, bad, or otherwise, through video updates, PowerPoints, the P&Ls, the balance sheets, your cash position, your CapEx spent, everything I just described. Because if you know that you have to share that with your investors and you know that you're going to be transparent, you're not going to hold anything back, you are basically, you're like running your business naked. Like they can see everything. And if you're not going to hide anything, you're not going to, you're going to share every single thing about your business. You're going to make sure that you do it right the first time. Okay. So if you compare to sharing everything with your limited partners, I guarantee that you're a better operator and you de-risk your business because you only want to share good news. So you're going to work really hard to make good news, right? But even if there's bad news, you're going to share it anyway, which is going to make you realize what you should have done differently and what you can do better. The sixth way to de-risk your business is to over-raise capital and keep at least six months worth of operating capital in your bank account. Okay, a lot of guys, they buy a multifamily property and they raise the absolute minimum. They raise the minimum. Well, they're like, well, we don't want to give up any more equity to investors. Yeah, but what if you run out of cash? Then you're going to give the whole deal back to the bank and all your limited partners are going to get wiped out, right? So overraise capital, give up some equity, keep six, at least six months worth of operating capital sitting in your bank account. Number seven. The seventh way to de-risk your business is to underwrite your deals at 70% occupancy or 75% occupancy and see how much cash bleed you're going to have, okay? If your deal is going to make money, but it's only going to make money if you're 95 or 98% occupied, you probably are adding risk, not de-risking. You want to be in a situation where, you know, even at 70% occupied, you can still pay all your expenses. You can pay, still pay all your debt service and preferably still pay all your investors. Okay. But at least if you're 75, 80, 85% occupied, you pay your investors. But if it were to drop down below 75, 70%, maybe you can't pay your investors, but maybe their preferred return, but maybe you'll still pay it anyway. Because you underwrote for it. You put the money for cash bleed in your operating account and you're expecting that bleed. And then, of course, if you operate at a much higher rate, 90, 93, 95% occupied, then, of course, at that point, you're not bleeding any cash and you're not spending and you can pay your investors their preferred return. But one of the things that we do is we underwrite our deals at 70 to 75% occupied and see what that looks like. I'm baffled by how many guys don't do that. And then if the stuff hits the fan, that they're in massive, massive trouble. Number eight, the number eighth way to de-risk your business is to use the same vendors 
over and over and over and over again. Okay, we've got four different property managers, but we really use two over and over and over and over again. And those portfolios are absolutely operating the best. Why? We're building relationships with those property managers. They know what we want. They know how we talk. They know the language. They know what our KPIs are. They know what our budgets are. We use the same contractors over and over. We've got about four different carpenters, carpenter crews, that turn units. We use the same roofer almost every time. We use the same electrician almost every time. We use the same plumbers almost every time. They give us good pricing and they give us reliability because we give them a lot of work. So you actually de-risk the business by using the same vendors over and over and over. Now, again, at the beginning, you might have to use a couple different vendors to figure out which vendors are the best. And then when you figure out which ones are the best, then keep using them over and over and over. Okay. And number nine, and the final one, the final way to de-risk your business, which I think this one is absolutely huge. Maybe the most important outside of invest for the long-term and get long-term fixed-rate cash flow, long-term fixed-rate financing. Number nine, the number ninth way to de-risk your business is to buy all of your properties in one or two sub-markets and or stay extremely close to home, right? You do not want to diversify into multiple markets with one asset or maybe two assets in each market and then have like nine buildings in eight different markets. That's really, really hard. You're really asking for trouble if you do that. To me, I would pick one or two submarkets and I would own 500 to 1,000 units or more in each submarket because then it's easier to use the same vendors over and over and over again. Right? It's easy to review the financials. It's easy to use the same property manager over, over, over. It's easier to execute your CapEx in 12 to 18 months. It's easier to get long-term fixed-rate financing and not have to worry about it because you're in the same sub-markets. You know those sub-markets like the back of your hand. You know what you're doing. You know the areas. Your, your property managers know the areas. You know what the problems are. If you buy, again, nine different buildings and you buy... 12 or 1500 units and you buy them in seven, eight different markets, man, you are spread so thin, you are asking for trouble. And so as I kind of wrap up here, a couple of things, if you're a limited partner, okay, if you're an LP and you're looking to invest with operators, these are the nine questions that I would be asking the general partnership, that I would be asking the GP. Like, what kind of financing do they get? How fast do they turn the CapEx? Who's going to be the boots on the ground? How often do I get to financials? Are you going to have six months worth of operating capital in the account? What if we go 75% occupied? Do you use the same vendors over and over and over? And how many different sub-markets are you in? Those are great questions. If you're a limited partner and you just sold a technology company and you just made $10 million, or you just made $2 million, or you just made $50 million. And I've talked to all of those kind of people. Those people are investors in our deals. The funny thing is, though, they don't even know to ask these questions. And so now I'm giving you the ammo. I'm giving you the questions to ask so you can be a better limited partner. Now, if you ask me, I'm totally fine with that because I recorded this episode and I've already given you all my answers. Right? I'm going to win there. I'm going to recruit a lot of money that way. But you can't even tell you how many limited partners I've talked to who are all of a sudden telling me, oh man, 
you know, I invested some of this money, Josh, with somebody else and their preferred returns have shut off because the cost of their mortgage tripled, their interest rates doubled. Man, tough spot to be in. And so if you're a limited partner, those are the nine ways to de-risk your business. If you're an operator, right? Make sure you incorporate this into your underwriting. Make sure you incorporate this into your analysis. Make sure you talk to your mortgage broker about long-term fixed rate financing or negotiate seller financing. Make sure you have your contractors in order to knock out the capex very, very quickly. I would rather go from 95% occupied down to 80% occupied, knock out all my capex, and then go back to 95% occupied. I'd rather do that over 12 to 18 months and knock out my business plan then just constantly be bleeding a little bit every month, waiting for units to turn. No thanks. Okay? And so if you're an active operator, make sure you incorporate these nine ways to de-risk your business into your underwriting, into your business plan, into your private placement memorandums. Because if you do that, you're never going to lose the asset. You know what people say is they say, don't wait to buy real estate, right? Buy real estate and wait. Well, you can't buy real estate and wait if you get the wrong kind of financing. You have to look long-term, right? So make sure you incorporate these nine ways to de-risk your business. Guys, listen, if you enjoyed this episode and this training, I would be so, so grateful. I mean, literally, it's, it's so meaningful to me to hear your feedback. And it would be so grateful if you would like, subscribe, rate, review, and share this all over social media. I would be so grateful, man, to not only build our community and build our investor base and build our joint ventures for me, for my own reasons, but also to help the rest of the marketplace do better deals, be smarter investors, to take on less risk, right? That's very, very important to me. Now, if you're an active operator, like I talked about, and you want to buy more buildings of your own, make sure you grab a ticket to our upcoming Forever Passive Income event, Forever Passive Income Live. They're online, they're virtual. The next one's coming up here in a few weeks. And you can get a ticket for just a few hundred bucks at foreverpassiveincome.com. If you're an intermediate to advanced investor and you are looking to partner with us or share deals with us, JV with us, be part of our mastermind coaching and partnering program, make sure you visit joshcantwellcoaching.com. Right? Those are the things. Those are my pet projects, things that I enjoy doing, being around other investors, helping other people be smart investors. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you next time. Take care. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.